0: Hey, this is Coach Joe Lucas, and welcome to this episode of the Magellan Network Show. Hey, in this episode, uh, I brought my oldest son, uh, Joseph, and I. uh, We're in the BMW. I'm on a strategic week. And and I thought what we'd do today is just answer some questions. Uh, You know, every week I get questions either via LinkedIn, or they're tweeted to me, or they're just emailed to me. And uh, what I thought we'd do as we uh, we drive around here in uh, Melbourne, Florida, is just uh, answer some questions. So, uh, Joe, why don't you give me the first question? Let's get after it. Jenny asks, what are the most successful clients appreciation events so far this year? All right, so Jenny's asking about client events, client appreciation events. So so I think there's a couple things. I think there's three types of events. I think there's a pure appreciation fun event. I think there's pure educational events, and I think there's a combination of the two. So, so the first comment I'm going to make uh, to Jenny is that every advisor needs to have live and virtual events. Uh, You want to educate your clients, and educate a client is a better client. They make better decisions, so we want to encourage that, right, going forward. So let's just talk about fun events first. So fun events can be as simple as a wine tasting or a private chef or a a sporting event, uh, an off-Broadway play, um, river cruise, you know, dinner cruise, things like that. I've had people do pig roasts in the summer, you know, like go get the guy with the pig, dig the hole. Uh, I've had people do food, food trucks, um, watch parties. So, like, if you're a big uh, sports fan uh, and your team is on the road, uh, host a watch party in your parking lot. Uh, bring a couple of food trucks. Uh, very, very cool to do. So there's just a lot of things you could do. Uh, several of my clients will do a single ladies Valentine's Day, um, uh, like, luncheon. For all their single, uh, all their single women clients, so I just think there's a lot of different ways to put some fun events, uh, sponsor golf outings, things like that. Just let your imagination really kind of work with you on these things. Um, the one thing I would say, just as a as a just a real belief I have, is I, I would definitely stay away from like political things or religious things. You just don't know, you know, you, you're not you, you may not have 100 percent read on your clients, so so let's not go down that road. So on the fun events, I think there's a lot of things you can do there. Uh, educational events, you know, I love the idea of every year, like in January, uh, hosting a welcome to the new year event. Uh, i think of it like health and wealth. Uh, you would, in essence, create a uh, faculty. Maybe uh, you would speak about uh, financial planning or things like that. Uh, maybe you'd bring a CPA or one of your tax partners in to talk about, you know, tax law changes, estate planning attorney to come and talk about any, any changes there. Uh, local realtor to talk about property trends. Uh, local uh, chiropractor or health professional uh, to do health, travel agent, uh, to do like the up-and-coming cruise ships or destinations or locations. And uh, that's really good to do in January because what it does is it gets you off to a great start, it gets you off to a great start for the year. So, so I like that. And then, you know, your typical educational things, um, whether you teach or you bring other experts in, if you do bring other experts in, I would definitely encourage you to give them a table and say, look, I'm going to give you a table. Uh, I'd like you to invite some of your clients. So we want to do that. And then and then the hybrid event is when you do both. You have some fun, maybe do a little teaching, a little education around it, um, you know, so on. So I think all three of those. Uh, the key thing when you do any type of events, number one, you invite everybody. So don't sit there and make decisions for people. Oh, this person doesn't live close by or they won't come. Remember, the decision itself carries value. So you never want to forget that. Uh, the second thing, you always want to... Always encourage guests. Bring a guest. So I like the idea of tickets, of physical tickets, and sending them out, like two sets of tickets. Uh, you can go anywhere online, like ticketprinting.com and, and stuff like that. Get them really inexpensive. Uh, and then the third thing you want to do is you want to make sure that you have your most wanted. So whether they're centers of influence or prospects or people you're, you're, uh, you're kind of you know trying to get them to say yes to you, just remember any time you can have clients and guests in the same room at the same time, it's good for your business. So I hope that gives you some uh, some answers, and uh, let's go on to the next one. John asks, explain the difference between tactical and strategic time. All right, so John wants to know about tactical and strategic time. So there's really, so John, yeah, so a couple things. So number one, there's actually a third element of time called renewal time. So let's go over tactical time, strategic time, and renewal time—the three modalities advisors have in, in the way that I, the way I put things together for people. So tactical time, everybody kind of knows—that's um, getting up in the morning, going in your office, you know, doing reviews, dealing with clients, dealing with uh, business development. Really, really, in the pure sense, working in the business. Right? Um, we're not doing any strategic projects. You're not trying to work on things. You're really doing. You're doing your client contacts. You're setting your reviews. You're executing your reviews. You're taking care of your clients. It's a very, very tactical game. All right. Now, strategic time is the exact opposite, where you're working on things. You're working on yourself, and you're working on your business. So that's where we would look at doing like strategic planning. We would look at uh, you know updating our website, branding, CE credits, uh, segmentation projects, anything to make the business better and make you better. That's what we want to do. So strategic time now. A couple caveats on strategic time. Uh, number one, rarely should it be done in the office. I've had clients try to do it, and if you're in your tactical environment, which is, i.e., the office, chances are you're going to go tactical. You know, you're going to have the red light blinking on your fo- on your phone and email popping in, and maybe colleagues and things like that. So it's just easier not to have to go deal with that. So strategic time. Find a local happy place, library, maybe a club. You know, maybe a home office that you can really, really control the environment. Uh, that works best in my mind uh, going forward. So strategic time begins working on things, uh, not in things. So remember, so in and on, right? Tactical in, strategic on. Now the third type of time is renewal time. This is when you want to be gone from the business. So in, on, and gone, right? So being gone from the business. This is renewal time, vacays, uh, you know, just kind of uh, catch-up days, kind of catch your breath days. Um, you don't have to travel, but you don't want to, you can. you are not in the business, and what you really need to do as an advisor is is integrate all three of those. So it's not about balancing. So the model we like to see is, you know, in, at least in a seven-day window, in a you know several-day window, I want you to be all tactical, right? So just like like crush the in stuff do your reviews, you know, execute your game plan, things like that. And then, you know, take some strategic time out of the office, work on your projects, move move it along, and then uh, make sure on a regular basis you get your renewal time. I think every advisor needs at least 8 to 12 renewal weeks a year. I think you need at least 12 strategic weeks a year. And then the rest of it is tactical. And that's more than enough time to do those things if you're working with a strategic calendar. And that's what most advisors don't have. They don't have that strategic calendar. They're just kind of going at it, right? Work hard, go at it with no with no game plan, no flow to it, and uh, and we just want to stay away from that. So I hope that gives them some guidance. Hopefully that helps them. What's our What's our What's on third question for today's episode? Ken asks, "What are some trends that you were seeing in the in the industry?" Oh, so so here's the so the, of course a simple question, right? Trends. So. I mean, there's so many different ways to answer this question, so I'll just kind of put some different pieces around it, if you will. Um, obviously, the first trend we have, there's really two trends. Neither one of them are good. Uh, trend number one, as an industry, we're aging, and as an industry, we're not attracting young people, not to the level that we, we, we ultimately need. So, so that becomes very, very problematic from that perspective. Um, the other The other thing is obviously technology is having a massive impact on, on what we're doing and how we're doing it and so on. So if you're an advisor, there's two things. Number one, you better you better go ahead and learn the technology game yourself at whatever level you're, that's possible. And then the second thing is your, your staff better be technologically proficient. So you can't be hiring assistants and so on where, you know, they don't get it. I mean, they just, you know, it's going to become more, not less on the technology side. A couple other trends. Obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion in the industry now right now about fee and fee compression. Um, you know, we see some of the major discounters uh, getting getting trades down to zero. So, I, I, you know, I think there's going to be what I call the haves and have-nots. And here's what I mean: if you're if you're a money manager and your game is just running money, right? That, in my mind, in my experiences, I really believe is going to get commoditized even further. I think that if you're going to go into the other side, which would be be more relational and more planning oriented, right, more financial coaching, I think financial coaching and bringing a coaching component into the model is really the future of our industry. Because I think in that regard, in that scenario, I think you can can, uh, not only retain margins, but I think you can charge higher fees because the value proposition is going to be so much different going forward. I just think that's going to be the thing. The, the, other, the other piece, and I, I think this also depends on where you're located, um, you know, if you're in an area that a certain percentage of your client base is going to retire and move, if that's your marketplace, you better have a remote practice model where whether they're in Michigan or Florida or Massachusetts or Arizona, you know, you can go ahead and take care of things. Like, there's no differential there in in the in the availability and the ability to work with people. I think that's going to be uh, incredibly important going going forward. And and I think the uh, you know the last thing is, I think again getting to kind of the generalist versus the specifics. I think it's okay to be a generalist as an advisor, kind of work with everybody, and that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that, so on. But if you want you know, like real margin and be able to really create an incredible value proposition, I think one of the other things you've got to look at is, you know, is there a niche that I want to serve? Do I have a niche in my business already? And if I do, I do. If I don't, I'm not saying everybody has to go create one. But if you have something that's kind of in front of you, you may want to go take a look at and and deploy that. So I just think, you know, there's that. I still, I think that you'll see a lot more advisors more lifestyle type practices, boutique practices. Uh, you know, we see it with the XPYN movement, for example. Uh, you know, really kind of a fee fee scenario, and I think that will continue. I think the major firms are going to have a challenge a challenge over time with their value propositions, just because it's just such an inefficient model with so much overhead. I just don't know how that continues. So, hopefully, that gives you some answers on some global trends that I see. And uh, thanks for the question. So. We've answered our three questions for this episode, so a couple of things real quick. And the, the one thing about driving around is you're going to have a lot of trucks, right? So here we have, here we have some right now. You know, ask me, you know, hey, reach out, ask me a question. I'm here for everybody. And don't forget, make sure you hit you, uh, hook up on your 30-day Magellan Network trial, MagellanNetwork.net, right? Uh, let me come work with you for 30 days. Come uh, come get some powerful exo- associations and an entirely different game that you've never experienced before. So come do that. Thanks for sending in the questions. I'll see you all next in our next Magellan Network episode. So there you have it. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, I would like a 14-day free trial to the Magellan Network to get better at business development, practice management, personal development, and overall create the ideal vision for yourself and your business, please visit MagellanNetwork.net. That's MagellanNetwork.net and claim your 14-day free trial. As always, I'm here to help you become a better business owner, entrepreneur, and professional. And with that, I'll catch you next time on the Magellan Network podcast with me, your host, Coach Joe. Take care.